Good morning, everyone. Is it a good morning? It is now. The PowerPoint's working. I know that feeling. That is very hard when you're about ready to get up and do a message for Sunday school and technology's gone. But the church has lasted for thousands of years without PowerPoint, so I think we'll make it through another year or two. Such a blessing to be, uh, be able to speak to everybody today. During worship, I was standing in the back, back there by Asa, to get wired up and everything, and, and uh, it, it's a blessing just to listen to everybody sing. It, it really is. Um, so praise God. And Georgie, Ben was holding Georgie, and she looked at me, and she, she did this. She looked at me, and she did this. So growing up, this meant one thing, and I'm thinking, she doesn't know what this means where I grew up. But she goes, and I'm, call me. So I looked at her. This is when everybody was singing. I looked at her and I went, like that. This means hang loose. <laughs> so, okay. All right. So welcome, welcome, welcome to the book of Titus. And I know you might be thinking, but Jim, aren't you going through the book of James and it's taken 10,000 years to get through chapter one? Yes, we are. I have had something stirring around in me for quite a while. Um, and it all kind of came together last week in, in Pastor Mike's message. Uh, he was preaching out of Ephesians chapter 5, right around verse 15, if I'm not mistaken. So we're going to start there. But the book of Titus, Derek, you're prophetic, what you said in, um, I don't know if anybody's ever told you that before, but you were prophetic this morning in Sunday school when you said about Jim teaching from Titus that Jim probably I'm going to paraphrase. He's figured out he probably can't get through all three chapters. I tried, and I boiled it down to one. <laughs> so next time I'm up here, we'll finish two and three. Then we'll jump back into James where, where we really should be. So this is Titus. This is actually, it's not a Polaroid. Um, this is actually a drawing of Titus. Uh, it was found in a basilica, and I can't remember if it was on the Isle of Crete or if it was in Greece. But Titus uh, is Greek. He was not uh, Jewish. Um, he was a Gentile believer. But that is actually a drawing of Titus. I found that and I thought, that is really, really interesting that, that we have these drawings and things like that. So if you could open your Bibles to Titus chapter 1. And our text today is going to be verse 16. So we're going to read that real quick, or if you want, you can just read it on the screen. Thank you guys for changing that and reversing that. It actually looks better that way. I really appreciate it. They did a good job. Titus chapter 1, verse 16. Such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. Would you want that said about you? Would I want that said about me? Definitely no. So let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, what we just read. Lord, may that never be said about Turkey Run. May it never be said about any of us that comprise Turkey Run. Father, we give this time to you, these things that you've stirred in my heart and my mind for weeks that have come together this week, Lord. We just give that to you, and we pray that this time is fruitful as we dive into your word in Jesus' name. 
And everybody said, amen, amen. Does this look familiar to anybody? And we're not going to go back to the message about forgetting 20 or forgetting 80% in the first hour. These are the message titles since, I don't know, probably February, excluding guest speakers and excluding missionaries. But these are, this, the, these are all titles of members of this body who have got up and, and preached and taught. All of these, if not, let's say most of these, have a general theme. And this is what's been rolling around in my head and my heart for weeks. Is as you look at all these different uh, titles, and some of them have some crazy names. We might get into that just a bit. But they all have a thread in them. Derek had the poles, right? If you were in Sunday, if you were in Sunday school, you really missed it. So I'm not going to go ahead and rehash everything he said, but he had these poles that they used when they were uh, camping down south the last couple of weeks. And inside those poles where they connected was a, he called it a stringy thingy. Is that what it's called? Is that the official name for it? Says it on the instructions? Stringy thingy. Basically like an elastic string and it holds the sections together. And so there's a stringy thingy in what you're looking at up there. Now I'm not going to ask you what is it. We're going to see it here real shortly. But just take a look at some of these titles real quick. The Jesus idol was, when was that one preached? Anybody remember? Wow, somebody remembered. <laughs> take care. Marvin, I think you did take care, right? In God do you trust? That was, um, that was Aaron talking about um, Romans chapter 13, first seven or eight verses. Shamrock eggs in H2O? That was Dr. Seuss. So he gives our guest speaker. Be a doer, not a hearer, looking at the book of James. Um, playing games with God, quick and slow the way to go. Again, the book of James. Outcome-based parenting by Rob. Actually, one of the all-time podcast leading listen to uh, episodes to this day. God's strange design, a bundle of sticks. Mike, didn't you have some sticks or branches? And if you take the bundle, you, it's hard to break. But if it's just one... It's easy to break, okay? Did I sum up your whole message in 15 seconds? Man, that's pretty good. Deep sea diving, the pressure under persecution, again from James chapter one. A missionary tale, that was Todd. Todd talk, did a deeper dive, right, Todd, into the life of St. Patrick. Totally fascinating. I learned stuff I had never heard, never heard before. Making a list and checking it twice, that was after Christmas, so I don't know where Mike was thinking on that one. The ever-famous Cosmic Hardware Store. Slaves, Trials, and Faith, looking at James chapter 1 again. Who are you really? Mike did that one. God's family, his final words, right around Easter time, Aaron did that message. You can't be serious. And then the all-time favorite title, at least, Vampire Christianity. Does anybody remember the theme of vampire Christianity? There's a theme that runs through it. But if you go back and listen to the podcast or watch it on YouTube, the last five minutes, if you go back and you know, say, I don't have time to go back and listen to that message. That was back in February, March, I think it was. Go back and listen to the five minutes or read the transcript. And you're thinking, there's transcripts on our messages? You bet there's a transcript. Every message ever preached here, thanks to Anthony, when it gets loaded into YouTube, you hit more 
show transcript, you can read every message that's been preached here that's been posted out on YouTube. The last five minutes of Vampire Christianity, I'll probably butcher it up. Okay, so don't tell me. You can tell me after I'm wrong. People come to Christ and all they want is the benefit of his blood, right? They want to, like a vampire, suck on his blood for the benefit of fire insurance to get out of going to hell. But other than that, they don't want anything else to do with him. Is that accurate? That's accurate. The last five to ten minutes will sum that up for you. So there's been a theme here. And that theme is the title of our message. And if you look at your bulletins, how shall we live? Because those messages, almost every one of them, the speaker up here pretty much talked about how do we apply God's word to our life? How do we live in different situations? How do we handle persecution? How do we handle, let's say, vampire Christianity so that we just don't look at the benefit of being in Christ, but what can we give to the kingdom of Christ? God's family, one of Marvin's. Take care, one of Marvin's. Went back and listened to your whole message, Marvin. It was really good, very good. A missionary tale, the sacrifices that St. Patrick made. These are stories, and these stories are woven into these sermons, but these stories are happening today. Do you know where they're happening? They're happening in your lives. They're happening in my life. These same stories. So let's think about this theme. Ephesians chapter 5. You do not have to turn here. I have it all up here. Hey, Asa, you guys were not able to get the traffic lights on, right? Or John, whoever did that. That's okay. Okay. No, you don't know what I'm talking about. Let's read through this. We have two screens, Ephesians 5 to 15. Mike last, Mike last week um, finished with 15, but I'll go ahead and read it, and then I'll explain what traffic lights mean. But here we go. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in these things, or excuse me, in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that are ungodly, that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. 
for the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. What I did on the PowerPoint, and it's not showing up, and that's okay, is I put 22 icons, 22 traffic lights, and at each one of those icons throughout, it's I think it's uh, 12, maybe on this page and 10 on the other, or vice versa. And each one of those traffic lights, what do we do when we drive up to a, to a traffic light? Well, we pay, pay careful attention. If it's red, what do we do? If it's yellow, what do we do? Okay, I heard it. <laughs> I was hoping, was that you, Joni? I thought I heard Joni first. Speed up. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty this morning. It's based on what you perceive the threat is that you're going to make it through, right? Okay. And when it's green, we go. Okay. But in your mind, you're rolling up on that light and then you're just kind of thinking or maybe you're getting closer and closer and you're like, change, change, change. It depends on how late you are, you know, Derek driving up to Granville. How late am I going to be? So uh, we don't want to do that. The traffic light in, this, in these scriptures that I put were where we have to make a decision. So just as we roll up in our cars, we have to make a decision. Red, green, yellow. Do we go? Do we slow down? Do we speed up? Do we stop? Oh. Where are the traffic lights here? Imitate God. A decision. Okay? I'd say that's a green light. We need to go. Therefore, nothing you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love. Go. There's a traffic light there. Because you don't have to live a life full of love, do you? You don't have to imitate God. Don't have to do that. But are we compelled to do that? Is the Holy Spirit alive in us who compels us to live his word, to be in him. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to, uh, to God. Next traffic light, let there be no sexual immorality. It's a choice. You weren't born that way. The folks who fly that flag, the LGBT flag, were they born that way? It's a choice. There's a stop sign. What did they do when they hit that stop sign in their life? They floored it. Here we go. Impurity, there's another stop sign. Greed, another stop sign. All of this is a part of Titus. You'll find out here in a moment. I've seen stories. Stop sign. Foolish talk. Red light. First jokes. Red light. These are not for you. Instead, here's another red light, or excuse me, another traffic light. Let there be thankfulness to God. There's your green light. It's green and floor it. Be thankful all the way. Floor it. You can be sure that no immoral, pure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Another traffic light. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. Go on Twitter. Go on Facebook. Instagram. 
read it. They're trying to excuse their sin, aren't they? And I'm not pointing the finger at one community. It's all communities. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Another traffic light. Don't participate in the things these people do. Don't do them. Don't endorse them. Right? For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. Here's another one. So This is a green light. So live as people of light. For this light, is, uh, this light uh, within you produces only what is good and right and true. Here's the next traffic sign. Stop, whatever you call it. Carefully determine what the Lord pleases, what pleases the Lord. Another one, take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Church, it sounds like we have a lot of decisions to make, doesn't it? And it doesn't matter if we've been a Christian for 70 years or seven years or seven months, or seven weeks, or seven days, or seven hours. We all have decisions to make. And that's, right, that's clear right here in the book of Ephesians. It's shameful to even expose them or to expose them. Mike covered that near the end of his message last week. Here's another. It's shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. That's kind of easy to talk about, isn't it, Mike? It's easy to debate. Debating's different, but it's easy to talk about, oh, why are they doing that? Oh, that's horrible what they're doing. Yes, it is. It is. We know that. Can they help themselves? Let me ask that as a question to be answered. Can they help themselves? They're of their father. They can't help themselves. We're of our father. We can But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. That is why it said, Arise, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. There's three more traffic uh, lights ahead here. So be careful how you live. So we saw earlier, carefully determine. Now, at the bottom of the screen there, so be careful how you live. Marvin, take care. Right? Take care. The next one, don't live like fools. And the last one, but like those who are wise. Okay. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. So Mike started last week in verse 15 at the very bottom. Be careful how you live. Then he went on from there. So we know what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus on these subjects and how shall we live because we saw or we see we just saw in Ephesians 5 how we should live how we how we, how we shouldn't live how we should be careful okay but what about quotes from church history what did other people in church history say about these topics this is going to be interesting i think first of all we'll start first john Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Ouch, 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 ouch. If you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, 
but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. So those things that people crave that are not of the Lord. Remember, sin is pleasurable for a season. Well, that season will eventually end and those things are going away. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. And that should be us. Do what pleases God. First quote. I'm not going to ask you who said this because too much history. Let it be understood that those not found living as he taught are not Christians. Even though they profess with the lips the teaching of Christ. Can everybody say, ouch? Ouch. <laughs> in easy believism in our church today, not this church, but in the church today, easy believism, all we have to do is profess with our lips. Yeah, we do have to do that. But there's a whole lot more involved in that, right? But this person said that if those aren't living as he taught, they're not even Christians. Could he have been an Anabaptist? Who said, you know, there's a thing there. It's not just faith alone. But there's a little bit of works in there that plays too in the sanctification process. We have to do something as well. Okay? So was it an Anabaptist? No. Justin Martyr in the year 160 AD. Justin Martyr... Very strong man of God. You can get his writings. It's, uh, it's published. It's out there. Justin Martyr wrote letters to the emperor to plead the case of Christians during times of persecution. Uh, very influential in the early church. And he predates Anabaptism by about, what, 1,400 years. So this, the Anabaptist teaching is not new. It's right there by Justin Martyr. Let's look at another quote from church history before we get to Titus. The way is indeed narrow, for the majority of persons are lovers of flesh and cannot bear to walk in it. There's another ouch. Okay, who said that? Origen. In the year 228 AD, Origen, another church leader, uh, very good to read a lot, uh, his writing. It's very, very strong. Here's another one from church history. There are times when we have to decide if we're willing to give up what we think is best or what we want. Godly wisdom and discernment are necessary to figure it out. We should be seeking godly wisdom we need to pray for discernment and be obedient. Amen? Pray for discernment, and when the discernment comes, be obedient. Any guesses on what church leader said that? Wayne Harris said that. Thank you, Wayne. It's from the Cosmic Hardware Store on February 26th. Read the transcript. It's there. It's about halfway through his message. That's profound. It's the same Jesus in Wayne who said that. The same Jesus, the same Lord is in origin, right? The same Lord in Justin Martyr. The same message. 
We have to make a decision. Just as we went through Ephesians 5, traffic lights, traffic lights, 22 of them in those verses where a decision has to be made. Even as a believer, the book of Ephesians is written to the Christians in Ephesus. It was not written to pagans. It was written to people like us. Because like, oh man, we don't deal with that stuff. Look at all the crazy stuff that was going on in Ephesus. Or if you look at Corinthians, look at all the excess and everything in the Corinthian church. It was written to people like us. So Wayne, it is church history because it, it wasn't to, it's not right now. What I'm saying is not church history, but what you said in February is church history. So thank you. Another one. From the very beginning, this was inculcated or taught or preached as a precept of Jesus among his hearers. Men are to despise the life that is eagerly sought after by the multitude and are to be earnest in living the life that resembles that of God. Tremendous quote. I picked another one from Origen. About 20 years later from what from the earlier quote. Again, men have to, men, men and women, Christians have to make a choice, right? We have to make a choice. Are we going to walk the path that the multitude walks? That's what we see here. Men are to despise that life. Despise is a hard word. We like our creature conference, right? We really do. We like the easiness sometimes that life can give, even though there are difficulties in life. Spiritually speaking, we need to shun the multitude, the path, the way of the multitude, the road that is wide that leads to destruction. Thank you. Let's get back to that narrow road that we should be on. Another. We're almost done, then we'll jump into Titus. True Christians are those who carry out Christ's doctrine in their lives. True Christians are those who carry out Christ's doctrine in their lives. Are you starting to see a theme with these quotes? How we live is a reflection of being in Christ. So I have to ask a question. If we aren't living right, what does that say? That's something every person has to answer for themselves. Who said that? One of our favorites, Michael Sattler, in the 16th century. I couldn't find the exact date, so 15 question mark, 1500 question mark, right in there, 16th century. One more quote, I believe, yep, one more quote. We are to be different, radically different in how we think. But more importantly, in how we act. Is that revolutionary to anybody? First of all, we're to be different. Not take that path of the multitude. Not just different, but this speaker said radically different in how we think. But more importantly, so elevating how we think is how we act. Who said that? Pastor Mike Bender said that last week. It's cool to go back and read the transcripts. Mike, I didn't find anything I could throw you under the bus on, so you're good. So <laughs> Anyway, so there's the theme that has been digging at me for weeks. 
I didn't want to jump off of James because we're about ready to go into James chapter 2, but this has been eaten away at me for a while. So let's go ahead and take care of it. Welcome to Crete. Titus chapter 1. Derek, do you know this place? You've been there. Okay. I haven't. This is the Palace of Kenosis. Okay. Palace of Kenosis is on the Isle of Crete. Um, this is the cradle of the Minoan culture. Uh, Minoan culture is known uh, for its um, uh, renowned reputation, known for its impact in the Bronze Age. I'm guessing 1600 BC. Does that? By the way, Derek and I had a good phone conversation this week. Derek is my is our resident uh, Greco-Roman cultural scholar. So he and I got on the phone and talked about some things and. The things we talked about, I'll catch on the next sermon, but uh, about some Greek gods and things like that. But this is where Titus, the book of Titus, uh, is set. So let's take a quick peek at Greek, uh, excuse me, Cretan culture, and then we'll dig in, and then we'll almost be done. Cretizo. Is it an honor to be called Cretizo? <laughs> yes and no. If you were called Cretizo, it's because you're from Crete. You were also called a Cretizo because you were a liar. Okay? Crete had a reputation for being a land inhabited by habitual and compulsive liars. It's documented in the Bible. We're going to see that here. It's documented in history. Plato wrote about it. Some of the other Greek scholars wrote about Cretans. So if I, Jeremy, I'm looking at you, if I'd said, oh man, Jeremy, he's a Cretan. You may not know exactly what that means, but it's not good, right? And he doesn't look like he's from Crete. He looks like he's from Logan. Maybe that's worse. I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> Cretan poets wrote about this over the generations. They were also known for being treacherous and a greedy people. They would sell their mom to gain. Put it that way. Cretan cities were known for extreme violence, Corruption, political corruption, and sexual immorality. Horrible, if you read some of the stuff, and, and Derek can get me up to speed on even more of it. Many Cretan men hired themselves, themselves out as mercenaries to fight in wars. One source I read said most Cretan men had actually probably fought in some foreign war that was not fought on the island. They loved to fight. So maybe think of them like Spartan, as maybe you'd see Sparta or something like that. That's the world's view, okay? We all have the world's view, our view of history, and we see this about Crete. But look at that next bullet point. The Apostle Paul had the ability to take his worldview glasses off, these right here, down. What did he see? He saw as an excellent place to establish churches to impact the island for the kingdom of God, and that's our call, Right? Perry County, Fairfield County, Hawking County, everywhere we live, everywhere we go, we travel, we work. Are there liars out there? Are there compulsive liars out there? Are there Cretans out there? You bet there are. But we are to have the mind of Christ and have the worldview to establish the kingdom of God. Paul left Titus on the island to help establish and strengthen the young and struggling Cretan churches. I didn't put the scriptures up, so I'll just read to you. There's only 
16 verses in First uh, Titus, or Titus 1. So we'll get through this pretty quick because our time is draining away. Time is an evil taskmaster. You can't change it. It's always there. Titus chapter 1, verse 1. This letter is from Paul, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I have been sent to proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. To know the truth and to um, that shows them how to live godly lives. This truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, every commentary I read, why did Paul write, who does not lie, to Titus to minister to the people of Crete? Because the people of Crete had a worldwide reputation of being liars. All of them. We'll see that here in a second. But they're there to proclaim a God who never who does not lie. Verse 3, And now at just the right time he has received, excuse me, revealed this message which we announce to everyone. It is by the command of God our Savior that I have been entrusted with this work for him. I am writing to Titus, my true son in the faith that we share. May God the Father and Jesus Christ our Savior give you grace and peace. So we've gone through the first four verses. Verse 5 through 15, 16, I'm sorry, are instructions. As we go through this book, and the next time uh, we speak on this, we'll cover 2 and 3 and finish the book. These instructions that we're going to cover right now are to Titus, but by extension to the church. As you get further in in chapter 2 and chapter 3, then you're going to see instructions directly to the, let's call it, let's say it this way, to the people in Crete, sitting in the pews, okay? We're not going to cover that part today, but these instructions to Titus do apply. Verse 5, I left you on the island of Crete so you could complete our work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. Who are the elders? Bishops, leaders, pastors. These are leaders of house churches. The Bible Project actually said these are house churches. So they're appointing leaders of house churches. Verse 6, an elder must live a blameless life. To the elders in the room, don't stand up. Are we are elders to be perfect? Can elders be perfect? Can pastors be perfect? Can church leaders be perfect? In Christ, in ourselves, no. Okay? But to be blameless... I had to look that up. I guess I'm considered a church leader, so I said I better look that up just for myself application. To be free from scandal, to not be scandalous, because the island was full of people who lived scandalized lives or suffered from scandalism. He must be faithful to his wife, and his children must be believers who, do, who don't or do not have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. Again, in Crete, the younger generations were wild and rebellious from everything I read because their dads were off fighting in wars as mercenaries. Their moms had to raise them so they didn't have a father figure at home. So who became their father figure? We see it in the inner cities of our own country. The streets become the father figure. 
or their peers become the father figure. Verse 7, a church leader is a manager of God's household, so he must live a blameless life. There it is again. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. He must not be a heavy drinker, violent or dishonest with money. We will discuss the issue of heavy drinker uh, the next message. Did a little digging in, into that as well. Alcoholism in the ancient world was an absolute, Derek, I don't know the right word to use, it was horrible. And we look at our own culture and go, it's pretty bad today. It was really bad back then. Okay, so we're going to discuss that because we're going to see later on where it talks to the older ladies in the church and says, don't be a heavy drinker. It's like, why do you single them out? So we'll get into that next, next, next time. Verse 8, rather, he must enjoy having guests in his home and he must love what is good. He must live wisely and be just. He must live a devout and disciplined life. He must have a strong belief in the trustworthy message he was taught. Then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. How shall we live? We must contend for the faith. Verse 10, for there are many rebellious people who engage in useless talk. We saw that in Ephesians as well, about useless talk, coarse jesting, things like that, and deceive others. This is especially true of those who insist on circumcision for salvation. They're back again. Does anybody know who I'm referring to? Judaizers. They're back again. They're everywhere in this Bible, in this New Testament. The Judaizers are everywhere. Again, who are the Judaizers? They are Jews who became or converted to Christianity, but taught that you have to be circumcised to the Gentile believers. You have to be circumcised and observe some of the law. The book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says that the law was obliterated, I think in ESV, I think it uses that term. It was done away with. So what does Paul tell Titus? This is especially true of those who insist on circumcision for salvation. In verse 11, they must be silenced. That's strong. That's extremely strong. Because they are turning whole families away from the truth by their false teaching. And they do it only for money. The old adage continues, follow the money. Even one of their own men, a prophet from Crete, has said about them, and here's a quote from history, 600 years prior, the people of Crete are all liars, cruel animals, and lazy gluttons. You read that and you go, wow, that's pretty harsh. Epimenides said that. The people of Crete are all liars, cruel animals, and lazy gluttons. Why? Because of the lifestyle they lived, right? Okay. Verse 13. This is true. <laughs> wow. How many times do you hear Paul say, hey, they say that so-and-so is a liar. Hey, he is a liar. That's what, that's what Paul's saying to Titus here. This is true. So reprimand them sternly to make them strong in the faith. The Judaizers were Christians yet they were causing havoc in the church. 
The Judaizers were Christians, yet they were causing havoc in the church. Verse 14, they must stop listening to Jewish myths and the commands of people who have turned away from the truth. So the quote again is from Epimenides. The Cretans gained, and this is from the Faith Life Study Bible, they had a reputation for their lack of moral integrity. Ancient writers popularized the verb to cretinize, slang for lying and cheating. Here Paul applies this well-known saying to the false teachers, to the Judaizers, using it rhetorically to make a point, not necessarily because he agrees with it being applied to all Cretans, because all Cretans are not liars and cheaters. But that was their national reputation, we'll, we'll say it that way. 14 again, they must stop listening to Jewish myths and the commands of people who have turned away from the truth. Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure, but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and their consciences are corrupted. And then the last verse, our text, such people claim they know God. Do we have a little more context now when I say that? Such people claim they know God. Do we have context through church history where we saw Origen, Wayne, Mike, Justin Martyr, Michael Sattler, book of 1 John? Now the context, now the picture becomes a whole lot clearer. Such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. So those strong quotes that we, that we saw, that we read up there, they're confirmed by Titus chapter 1, verse 16. They claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. So what are they? And this is the hard part. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. So what's the thing that's been boiling around in me for weeks? How are we to live? We look at the old world, and then we look at our world. Yeah, we have more technology, but the base, if you boil it all down, same problems, same issues, same sins, same pride. Yeah, we have some accomplishments. We've been to the moon. Okay, that's great. Same problems, same sin, same lies, same cheaters, everything. How are we to live? And that's what's been boiling around. So it's about noon here. So the next message, we're going to dig in. Actually, what did Paul tell Titus to tell the church how to live, how to interact with each other? Because imagine people come to Christ and they're in this new fledgling church in any house church in the island of Crete, and everybody around them, or most people around them, are like the people that we've been reading about, the Cretans. How do you grow a church? How do you grow in Christ in that atmosphere? I don't know. I look outside, and I see Crete in our culture. But we don't have to live that way. All right? Can everybody stand? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being so good to us. We thank you 
for your word. Lord, help us to apply this in our lives. Lord, help us to take the application of your word seriously. As we read in Ephesians chapter 5, to carefully consider our way. Lord, when we come to the traffic lights in our life, help us, Lord, to carefully consider. And when it's red, help us to slam on the brakes. And Lord, when it's yellow, the temptation is to go, 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 fast, fast, fast. Help us, Lord, to exercise caution and consult you, your word. Empower us by your spirit. Help us consult each other in the church. And Lord, when it's green, help us to floor it. Lord, we just give it all to you, Lord. We ask that you would just empower us again by your spirit to live strong for you, Lord, as a testimony of the work you've done in us. May it reflect outside of us that we may impact your world, uh, the world for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. You can remain standing, Marvin, if you could uh, close us off with the doxology, please.